You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Recorded live. Okay, so uh, here's another session of the Communication for Professionals program. Today is uh, May uh, 20th, 2018. It is uh, 7.01 now. Um, how dare me be late, 7.01? What's wrong with me? Um, I had a job once, and uh, people would, you know, I would come in at uh, 9.31, and the boss would say good afternoon because I was supposed to be at 9.29, you know. <laughs> So anyhow, um, this is uh, session seven of the uh, nine, well, it's not module seven of the 10 sessions of uh, uh, this program, Communication for Professionals. Today, we're going to be talking about educating. Educating as in um, uh, you need to keep people up and keep you, keep them in your conversation or keep yourself in their conversation. So that's what this whole session is going to be about. Uh, looks like uh, Mr. Tiffany is uh, on the computer. I don't know if she's, uh, doesn't look like she's locked, locked in, um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, look, she's just on computer as opposed to um, phone, but that's okay. I, I'll be able to keep up with you anyhow. And uh, we got New York is. Um, Hi, this is Leon. Leon, okay. And then uh, we got two New Yorks, and Tom must be the other one. So, no, it's all good. Me. Who? It's Monique. Monique. Oh, my own. Oh, yay. I'm so happy to have you on the call. You have no idea. We got to talk, you, my sister. We got to talk. So, I know. <laughs> sorry. Say it again. I said I'm glad to be on the call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got some stuff I want to talk to you about offline. So, we, we yeah. Uh, <clears throat> we talk. All right. So, uh, that's, that's besides the point. Now, my man, uh, Tim, is on the call. Just for the purposes of the recording, I'm going to say who I know is on the call. There's um, Leon, uh, Sharon is uh, my man Tim that you just showed up, brother. Yep. Yep. All right, we got uh, Monique, we got uh, Jamie, we got uh, Barbara and Gary, we have got uh, Lena, and we've got uh, Tiffany. And uh, that's what we got right this minute. And whoever else shows up, well, they'll, I'll help them introduce themselves when they show up. So today, is uh, I thought this was going to be a really good session. No, this is going to be a mind blowing session because I uh, I'm shocked at the stuff that I created and and discovered this week in the area of educating. So let me tell you the first uh, the, the first six sessions, uh, modules, and then explain what the purpose of educating is, which is module seven. So the first one is learning, as in learning how to learn, like recognizing what's going on with the person over it. You got to actually have the mindset to learn what's going on. Second module is uh, accountability, which is, you know, you're learning how to be doing this program and how to communicate more effectively. And so you're accountable because nobody else knows what you know. So you can't get annoyed with them for not knowing what you know. You just, like, deliver it to them and be the source of that. Then the third one is listening, as in how to listen, what to listen for, what the actual steps in for listening, and different types of listening. 
uh, module four is distinctions, as in what's going on with the person that you can and should be listening for. That was a very uh, content-laden session. You know, basically it's about what's going on in their mind. So you know what to listen for and how to listen for that. Uh, the fifth one is dealing with emotions. How do you communicate through emotions and how do you use emotions to uh, communicate uh, and keep it from damaging the relationship, actually enhancing it. Number six was effective interactions. And I came up with a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, unfortunately, I've come up with some more stuff since that session, and I'm not going to go over it again. But I want you all to know that um, every time I turn around, I'm learning something about this program here and about communication. So today is educating. And, you know, you'll know whether you need to educate somebody or not or educate yourself or not in your conversations because what we've been doing, what hopefully you've been getting this, is that there's so many different things you can be doing that um, you either miss and not pay attention to and then wonder why the communication didn't work or, oh, I should add this or remember this and then add it so that you can be more effective in communication. And, you know, the, the other amazing thing is how much communication is not communicating, like not speaking. Um, and so um, uh, <laughs> today we're going to talk about educating. I got my mind blown around this. So uh, the last thing I'm going to say about this is um, this is so much uh, content in here. I can't guarantee I'm going to end at uh, 8.30 on the nose, but I'm definitely going to finish this session this time because – there's just so much, and I don't want to withhold uh, hold back anything from you just because I'm worried about the time. So I just want you to know if you got to leave at 8.30, I understand it. The rest of it will be on the recording, warning you ahead of time. So, okay, now that I've said all of that, I want to hear from a couple of y'all what you got from last session to now or anything you want to say about anything about the program up to this point. I'm checking in. What's going on with y'all? Don't make me call no names now. I know all y'all's names. Come on. All right, Tim, why don't you start, bro? All right. Um, I know. Oh, someone else is on. Well, I don't hear well, him. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. <clears throat> well, one of the major things that um, I was pointing out this week, uh, I shared a video, and that was about how um, if I could recall everything from it, man, I was just uh, really taken back by the fact of understanding, you know, when you're communicating and you're checking in with people, how important it is for you to be actually aware of where you are in the conversation, you know, acknowledging the fact when the conversation shifts or when just being present in the moment of the conversation, you know, as um. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I know if I get rolling on this subject, I probably will take up like 10 minutes. <laughs> but yeah, man, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing to say the least. Gotcha. Okay. Sharon, anything you want to say about, uh, you know, how things have been going with you in the area of communication since, uh, last session, you may not have anything, but I'm just checking um well i'm just just learning to uh be able to listen more and that i noticed that um as far as body language that's very important because it can be misinterpreted very easily 
So um, I'm going to definitely post more information about that, um, especially body language and learning to listen. It's very, very important in the communication process. Mm. Okay. All right, good. So anything you realize, you know, throughout the week, feel free to share it in the group, um, you know, um, messenger group or, or in the Facebook group, you know, whether it's the big one or, or, or the, you know, the, the communication group. Either way, it's fine with me, you know. So uh, let us know, you know, because whatever you share, we're going to benefit from. So uh, don't hold back. Okay. All right. All right. Um, so I'm going to leave it right there, and I'm just going to jump on into this uh, second here, educating. Um, I just <laughs> – uh, yeah, this is amazing. So, okay, great. So let me just uh, go in. Okay, like I said, anyway. So educating, the context for this session. Educating others to speak, listen, and understand how to communicate in ways that work, including yourself. So people don't often know what they don't know. If you're speaking with people and they don't know, they're not getting what you're communicating, and you can't tell what parts of what you're saying is in landing, the entire exchange becomes a waste of time and whatever intention was attempted to be fulfilled cannot be fulfilled. As we stated earlier in this program, it is easier for you to understand 100 people than it is to get even one person to understand you. Everything said in this section is the reason why this is so. People have language barriers personal, career, family, or community jargons, slang, limited vocabulary, mental models that don't allow others to get through to or make a difference with them, automatic ways of being such as shyness, worry, or limited attention spans, experiencing temporary bouts of fear, anger, confusion, or anything that keeps them from being willing or able to comprehend your communication. There will be times when the people you speak with will not understand you for a variety of reasons above and beyond what I just said. Lack of information, misunderstood context, lack of commitment, lack of skill. I should really say know-how. They have the skill. Um, they, don't, uh, excuse me, they don't hear, think, or see why it's in their best interest to listen to you. That really sucks. Lack of credibility with them or them with you, philosophically opposed to you and your way of thinking. This list is not only not exhaustive, there are almost an infinite amount of reasons why a person would need to be educated by you in order to communicate effectively with you and you with them. If you are unconscious, unwilling, or ineffective when it comes to educating people and what they need to know, in order to understand you and the communication between you, you'll fail to get through to them, which is the same as being ineffective as a communicator. Without being great in the area of, excuse me, of effective interactions, which we went over uh, last week, you won't have enough tools in your communication utility belt to get through to people when the going gets tough. The distinctions in the competency effective interactions is designed to give you what you need to have people stay or join in the conversations you're intending 
to have with them rather than whatever else they may think you're talking about. Without mental modeling, the distinction mental model, you may not uh, you may not be able to identify why the other person isn't getting your communication or you're not getting theirs. The impact of that is a loss of credibility with the person who you're in communication with because they'll be wondering why you don't understand what they feel is so simple and clear to them. And in most cases, they won't try to understand you, but they'll make you wrong for not being able to understand them. Relationships, friendships, clients, and family suffer from this single issue and many times never recover from it. Without accountability, a person won't be sufficiently committed to ensuring great communication happens because they'll just blame it on the other person rather than be on the uh, be the one no matter where they are or who they're with. When a person holds the context that they're the one who can, should, and will be the reason all communication in their sphere is pristine, they may not be able to always have communication go that way, but they'll always be empowered to do so and will produce that result almost every time. Without learning, specifically learning how to learn, there's no real way that anyone could expect to be a great communicator, no matter how talented they are, because since language keeps moving, changing, and evolving, if a person is unable to keep up with these changes, they'll experience life the same way a master of creating A-track takes will be in the area in the era of MP3s and other stuff. Out of touch and out of communication. In other words, um, <laughs> obsolete. Um, you could say, oh, who's that from Southern California just showed up? Hi, this is Robin. Hey, Robin. Yay. Welcome. Okay. Thank you. All right. All right. Uh, you could say that everything in this program so far is a foundation for supporting you in being able to determine what a person needs to be taught in in order to communicate with you clearly and effectively, knowing what to listen for, how to be effective in getting through to others, being able to recognize what gets or keeps their attention, takes their attention away, confuses them, triggers them, etc., will make you that much more effective in communication, communicating, excuse me, in ways that cannot possibly be misunderstood and therefore have you be extremely effective as a communicator. The impact of learning and educating. Clarity. A person's capacity for accurate thinking, analysis, inquiry, formulation, planning, etc., becomes a match with reality. Confidence. People gain confidence when they learn. A person's belief in themselves increases, giving themselves permission to take chances, experiment, and create. Growth. People experience growth. The ability of a person expands because of new awarenesses, and they won't make themselves wrong. They'll give themselves permission to grow. Next, their capacity grows. The ability to produce intended results expands. They can actually reach further, go higher, all of that. Service. Their ability and sometimes the desire to contribute to others expands. Fulfillment. The level of satisfaction, happiness, and joy of a person increases because of an improved relationship to reality. 
which is what learning and educating hopefully is intended to do. So I said a whole bunch of stuff. So I want to hear what you know what you folks are hearing from it because that's the context for your session before I get into the details. Anybody got anything they want to say about what they just heard? Tony, this is Jamie. Yes. I'm just always brought back to my responsibility in the matter of communication. Yes. And, and you know, I think that's just what I heard in all that is that there's an, there's an opportunity to hold myself responsible to not only be a clear communicator, but to communicate in such a way that brings those around me along with me in that journey. Yes. Excellent. Love it. Not not easy to do, but I'm, no, cer- it I'm certainly <laughs> seeing I'm certainly seeing that that's the that seems to be the path. But half yeah. the time I find out, you know, I come up with that awareness halfway through a conversation or after a conversation is already long past. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks. Well, I tell you what about that is that um, the fact that you're even conscious of it, even if it takes you two days later. Is better than it was this time last year, right? Absolutely. Yeah, so really there's only one way to go, which is up, you know? Yep. So, good. Yeah, you don't have to beat yourself up. We love you. It's all right. (laughs) All right. Barbara and uh, Gary, y'all got anything to say? No, I don't have anything. Okay. Yeah, something. Come on now, drop it. Okay. So, <laughs> what I've been what I've been um, experiencing is because I've been so caught up in trying to win at communicating. I have the in the in the midst of uh, communicating or before even getting into the, the process of communicating, I would be like, man, I really don't want to screw this up trying not to make errors like I have before. And it took me a while. Actually, I had like a, had my breakthrough or my epiphany this week. Like, you know what, man? You can't worry about, you know, not nailing this, not, not nailing this conversation or not getting the expected results that I wanted because when I focus so much on not messing up or, or not landing what I want to land or getting, communi- getting effectively communicating like I want to, I end up uh, sabotaging myself, man, because I'm afraid mm. to fail. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you would you would go there, uh, you know, about winning in conversations, you know, because, um, you know, what I'm about to say is something that I bring to relationship training, but there's a difference between winning and success. And um, winning is when uh, you win, which means that uh, in order for you to win, other people got to lose. And success is where everybody wins at the same time. So if you're looking at, you know, the joy of accountability and you look at it from the standpoint of who's winning, um, yeah, who, who's winning or how can I have everybody win, 
then what will happen is at certain points you don't know you might need the person that you've, you know, continuously had joyful conversations together with who sees that you're somebody who could use some uh, support in winning, being successful, and then they will bring success to you. You know, one of the things I haven't really said a whole lot about this program is, you know, one of the intended outcomes is to communicate in ways that naturally enhances relationships. And so, you know, communicating in ways that has everyone be successful is enhancing relationships naturally. So, you know, you don't have to be the only one that wins. As a matter of fact, it's almost like the height of leadership where, you know, the greatest leaders is not the ones with the most followers, but the one who creates the most leaders and who is the most service, who, who is the most of service to those they lead. And so, you know, I hear the possibility of you living a life where everybody wins in conversations with you. Not like you lose, but they win, you win, everybody wins. It's success. Does that communicate? Man, does it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I, you know, I actually, maybe I should add that to the accountability section, but, you know, just having everybody win, they just want to, like, pay you back. It's like karma, you know? Yeah. You, like, be enhancing the karma, the karma mechanism, you know? <laughs> in a good way. So, yeah. all right. So, um, <laughs> um, I'm about to go into the next piece here called uh, context. You know, I, I, uh, I just want to say that I put this into this program just before, uh, uh, you know, we started. I actually started on it last night and finished it today, and I'm like, this is probably almost the whole thing about communication. So, you'll hear it. Just be with me. And by the way, I encourage you, I beg you to interrupt me with questions, comments, insights, oh my gods, whatever, okay? So I'm telling you, feel free to interrupt me when I go through this. You might want to. So, okay. Anyhow, context. Context is meaning. Meaning is the why of a thing, the meaning you give a thing. This is one of the hardest aspects of communication because there's no clear understanding anywhere of what the word really means, which makes it difficult to apply it and connect with it. For example, using my index finger, I can stick it in the air because I want to make a point such as rear number one or we need to go higher in sales or how many fingers do I have up or which finger am I holding up? All of those statements were the context for the one thing I was doing, which is sticking my finger in the air. Y'all can see that, right? Okay, y'all can see that. I know that already. Uh, <laughs> why are y'all so quiet today? What's up with that? I got to call names or something. What's up with that? All right, anyhow. Um, do, do I need to share with y'all another personal embarrassing story again? Do I need to share with y'all another one? Um, well, y'all got to. Huh? No, thanks. So, so, okay, okay. Because <laughs> I have four <laughs> Super embarrassing one. I think we even told you only one or two, so I got two more in my back pocket just in case. You know what I'm saying? So okay. <laughs> All right. Another way of saying this is those statements. Those statements were the meaning for why I stuck my finger in the air. When someone asks, "What did you mean by that?" What they're asking for is your context. In other words, context 
is what you're really talking about when it looks like you're talking about something else. There's a song, one of my favorite songs from 1970 by Charles Watts and the 103rd Street Band. It's called um, uh, Express Yourself. So I'm going to sing it. Um, I know Lamb or Form Leaders wouldn't sing, but I'm going to sing. I don't care a crap because this is my show, my program, right? So uh, Express Yourself. Express Yourself. I need to warm my throat up. Do, 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 do. Anyhow, they got this line in there. I just, I've been memorizing since 1970, this line. It says, it's not what you look like when you're doing what you're doing. It's what you're doing when you're doing what you look like you're doing. Express yourself. I'm like, damn. Like, I just, I just had, <laughs> like, it's not what you look like when you're doing what you're doing. It's what you're really doing when you're doing what you look like you're doing. That's context. I finally um, get it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know the song too, right? Oh, yeah. Got it. That's, yeah. that's, that's the heart of context. Okay. Mm. So this issue is one of the main reasons that it's practically impossible to communicate in ways that are impossible to misunderstand. Context is extremely easy to misunderstand. Not only does every sentence have its own context, every word in every sentence has its own context. Picture this. Y'all can see that, right? I mean, yeah, y'all can see that. Let me keep moving. All right. You're speaking with someone and you're following each other very well until someone uses the word racism. All of a sudden, depending on your experience with racism, it's at least 99% certain that you and the other person will be in two different conversations all of a sudden. Everything that was said after that word will land in the mind of each of you differently than the other one. Should either of you finally decide to start talking about racism like it's the elephant in the room, you'll most likely not only end up talking about it from different perspectives, but everything that was said both before and after the word racism will have been understood differently than the way the conversation was originally intended to go. Does that make sense? Do I need to explain that any further? That makes sense. Okay. All right, cool. Um, by the way, is Anita, is that you on the call? Call. Yes, sir. Okay, just checking because I'm checking attendance here. So you say something and your brain goes in the direction of that word and all of a sudden you not only forget, don't hear everything else that's being said, but you got a meaning for everything that was said before, and then you try to check back in. You can't say, hey, could you say what you just said because I got distracted by what you just said, right? People don't do that, right? And the next thing you know, you've got all of these meanings for what you're saying. They got all the meanings for what they were trying to say, and now you're like, huh, how come you're not on the same page as me? This happens every minute of every day somewhere on the planet, all day, every day, all year long. The issue of context can be handled, but you have to know how to do it. 
How you handle it is by doing the following. Ask questions. Find out what the other person meant by what they said. Help the other person understand what you meant by what you said. So I'm going to go through those one at a time. Ask questions. I mean, I know you all pretty much all do this all the time, but now I want to give you like the thinking behind it so that you can actually use these skill sets better. You already know how to do this. But. So asking questions, some of the questions you want to ask are the following. What did you mean by what you said? Why did you say what you said like that? Why am, excuse me, what am I missing about what you're saying? Meaning is a subtle part of communication because the person speaking takes it for granted that everyone else understands it the same way they do. That's a huge part of the problem called, how come you're not like me? How come you're not like me is a problem because humanity as a whole thinks, whether consciously or not, everyone else is just like them, or at least they should be. And this is one of the main reasons why. Context. In the distinctions module, I talked about what would happen if you were selling a house and brought 10 different couples in and asked them how they would design the living room. And uh, what you'd hear are at least 10 different answers, if not more, um, even though the lady's most likely going to win out on that one, right? The wife, the girlfriend, <laughs> her house. Anyhow, I was using that as an example to describe mental modeling. Context is another huge aspect of mental modeling. The part of mental modeling that's all about speaking and why the words that come out of a person's mouth come out of their mouth. This happens whether a person is conscious or not. They always have a picture in their head regarding the world around them, and it's a real challenge to speak about things in exactly the same way it's in our head. Really, it usually takes a few times before something is said in exactly the way it's situated in our head. If you've noticed, you've had to explain things multiple times to people until they got it. If you didn't know why before, this is why. The real meaning of the idea, problem, or solution in a person's head, how they explain it and what it means to them is what you're looking for or what they're looking for when it comes to you. Now, that's asking questions. That is trying to get them to at least give you some hints on what's going on. The next thing is to, you want to use these questions to find out what the other person means by what they said. Ask them to go into as much detail around what they're saying as you can until you get it. You might have to work hard at this for a while, but not doing so means there's no or little real communication happening, and, of course, that doesn't work. If you remember me saying that thing about the 100 people, this is, again, this is why. The other person doesn't know what you don't know about what they mean, so they don't know they're supposed to bring you up to speed. In addition, they don't know how to tell you what they're really thinking because what they're thinking is part words, part pictures, and they can't tell which parts they didn't tell you. This is another reason why it's so incredibly difficult to communicate in ways that is impossible to misunderstand. You have to think 
about everything that can be misunderstood and make adjustments to those before you let the words you're thinking about come out of your mouth. You'd actually have to say to yourself, what about what I'm about to say can possibly be misunderstood? Then think through it until you do the work necessary, until you can actually say things in ways that are impossible to misunderstand. Got it. Speak to everybody in the universal language. Say it again. Speak to everyone in the universal language. Um, Speak to everybody in the fourth grade level. Yeah. And what you need to be able to do, and I talk about this a little later, but since you're bringing it up, I'll just say it now, is that you have to, well, not have to, you should capture everything that you've said when you had to straighten yourself out Capture that somewhere, shape, some way, shape, or form so that you can use that down the road because that becomes your personal jargon for the general population. I'm going to have to talk about jargon at another time because that's another thing I learned writing about this is about how jargon is so successful because it has everybody that's using the jargon understands the context of it all. And until you can get there, you need to be capturing your own jargon so that you can speak in ways that's impossible to misunderstand, Dan, no matter who you're talking to. So a lot of times I'll tell people how to remember me is uh, I say, my name is Tony. You ready? Then, I, then they look at me and I, I point to my toe, toe, and I point to my knee, knee, and I turn away like I didn't say nothing. And then they laugh their ass off. But they never forget my name no more after that because it's so goofy. It's silly. They're like, oh, yeah, okay, uh, yeah, I remember that now. So um, that's one of my pieces of jargon that I use to be unforgettable and, and, uh, and impossible to be unclear, impossible to misunderstand. So, you know, you just you, – you're ahead of the game by bringing that up. Make sense? Yep. Awesome. Um. So the part called part pictures, part words, and even part feelings is what has people not communicate fully because they don't know how to put all of those things together into a sentence. They, they never really had to do that before they <laughs> talk to y'all for communication experts. You know what I mean? Um, Leon, anything you uh, – Hearing about this, I'm calling names because I want to hear. I need to hear from you guys. I need to know what you're getting. Sorry, I was on mute there. Um, so this whole week, I've been kind of like going back and forth on like the what happened said, and there are moments that I catch myself like. Did I say everything I should have said and communicate that effectively? And and then there there was an incident that someone mistook what I said. Hmm. And I was like, no, 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 no. Let me clear this up right now. Excellent. And and it got cleared up and they knew how I felt. And that's it. And 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 the thing is now I go back and 
you know, I, I kind of examine my interactions, and I'm still not, like, like, fast that I can do it right there and then. Sometimes I go back and I think about it, and I'm like, did that really, did I do that right? And then, then I go back and I talk to the person. But I am aware of it now, but sometimes it's after the, the interaction is over that I go yeah. back, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, better late than never, bro. Yeah, that's true. That is true. <laughs> you know, the fact that you woke up before, you know, Everything was over is is a great thing, you know, so. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. Um, Yeah, the thing that really blew my mind was the part pictures, part words. And people have it. They're seeing it in their head, but they're not. They're so seeing it in their head that they can't tell that you can't get what they're saying. Mm -hmm. They're so conscious of how it is in them that they can't even look outside of themselves to see how it is landing for other people until they get that education. Mm-hmm. Hey, Tony, this is Lena. Um, yes. Somebody had given me a a thing when I was a young mom, when it, like in a landmark course, they gave me a person who, who actually talked about how young children don't have like an internal dialogue the same way that adults do that they do just think in pictures and they move towards like images in their mind um yeah. and so i like hadn't really connected that to adults still doing that but um but that is something that's useful when you're dealing with children to like if you create a picture for them, sometimes it's easier to get them to do what you are wanting them to do. Yes. Yeah, you know, what you're saying is that um, you're explaining why stories are so effective. Because stories use words, context, and pictures, and emotions all at the same time. And we're capable of doing all of those things at the same time. We just don't know what to focus on. So when it's done effectively, like a great movie or a great book, it just does all of that. And when somebody writes a book, a great book, they have to include everything that I'm saying in the book in order for you to get what they're saying about the book. You know, anything from, um, you know, uh, Think and Grow Rich to, um, you know, any novel, you know, The Fifty Shades of Grey or whatever, you got you to gotta make sure that there's no question about the context there's no question about the content. There's no question about the pictures in your head. But, and, you know, and then you have freedom to have the pictures go your way, but you still get the book, you know, the way you get the book, right? So we, we don't have the time to keep correcting ourselves. <laughs> the way a book might need to go through 20 edits before it gets to be that kind of perfectly clear in communication. We're on the spot. We're freestyling. We're, you know, improv- improvising as we're going along. But these structures, you know, these distinctions are, you know, intended to have us be able to do this on the fly and get to the point quicker and all of those things. You know what I mean? Make sense? All right. Okay. So give others permission to be unclear in communication. In fact, expect 
a lack of clarity in communication, so you don't experience shock or surprise when either you or someone else isn't communicating clearly. In addition, give yourself permission to be unconsciously unclear in communication because doing so will give you the freedom to catch yourself without making yourself wrong and also go into the type of thinking that will help you recognize what part of what didn't communicate to the other person and you can do something about it. But give yourself the freedom to not be perfect so that you could improve. You know, Michael Jordan, he missed 9,000 shots in his career, but he's still considered the greatest of all time because he made a whole bunch of shots too. <laughs> so um, consider that for yourself. And then uh, in addition to asking questions uh, and finding out what the other person meant, you want to help them understand what you meant by what you said. So uh, the principles and distinctions in this section is identical to what I just got finished sharing, but instead of trying to get them to be clear in their speaking, you need to use what you just got to get them to understand what you're saying, your context. So think about what it is you're actually trying to communicate to them. What part are they likely not getting? And then ask them questions until you can find the parts they didn't get. And then at that point, you need to say, describe, use examples, like don't say the same thing over and over again. Keep saying it in different ways until they get the part that they get, right? Uh, which means, you know, you might want to describe, use examples, bring up the past, whatever you need to do so that um, you could deliver your communication to them as quickly as possible um, and keep trying in as many new ways as possible until they either get it or they quit trying. <laughs> They'd be like, you know what, I'm done. <sighs> if a person is like, I'm done, give them permission to be done, and maybe you'll talk about it again, or maybe you'll never bring it up. But don't make them wrong, no matter where this conversation doesn't go well, no matter how it doesn't go well, I'll say it like that. So, um, so there's not much more to say about this except for the fact that when you recognize this issue, once you rectify the situation, remember it for future conversations so you don't have to redo this process and wear yourself out, wear, excuse me, wear others out and repeat yourself over and over again. Collect these examples so you can get through the uh, conversations quicker and improve your ability to communicate in ways that are impossible to misunderstand. Like I was saying to Tim a couple of minutes ago, you know, capture this so this could be your personal jargon for being extremely effective. Thank you. So you're the man with that. <laughs> so um, anything anybody want to say about context before we uh, move to the next section? That actually went quicker than I thought. Yay. Okay. What's you guys are getting This is Anita. Um, what I picked up um, in what you shared, which um, I think you said a number of times, it's like really don't have, even though you have a new way of hearing or being heard by people, that no one's fixed, right? So in that we're collecting insight and information to be in full communication with someone, we're human, so don't be surprised if they throw the curveball. And I, I heard that in what you said, 
we've yes. said it a number of times previously about being like fixed on people being a particular way. Yes. And I just wanted to point it back out in this moment that it that uh, like cool. I have I have tools, and I don't doesn't mean I always pull out the hammer because I always pull out the hammer. Yes. I don't you know so beautiful very very helpful. You know, you actually said something that um, I think is important for me to uh, bring up again as a reminder. So when I say that uh, being able to communicate in ways that are impossible to misunderstand, I mean that it's impossible to understand this time because you don't know what this person is going to learn, hear, or experience two minutes after they walk away from you, and then they become a whole new person from a new experience. You know, so, I mean, I don't know if anybody's ever experienced anybody like what I'm about to say, but, you know, you talking to somebody and then they have a near-death experience and then you meet them a week later when they're fully recovered. They ain't the same person. They're just not. Hmm. You know, you, you meet somebody and tomorrow they get fired. Then no matter what you say today, they're going to be talking and thinking and listening differently tomorrow. You know, or their child came home with a D or an F uh, report card. They ain't the same person. So you don't know what's going on. You look at the news and, you know, there's a school shooting. You don't know what's going to happen to them after you finish talking with them. So you got to treat every conversation like you start from scratch again. Not like you're talking to them like you start from scratch, but you're listening and you're respecting the fact that this might be a completely different person than they was three hours ago. So you want to learn how to communicate in ways that is impossible to misunderstand this time. And then next time, and then next time. But not like, well, now that I did it now, it should be easy to do because now you're going back to that old way of thinking called, how come you're not like me? And, you know, I need to make you work real hard to listen to me. And I need to make you work real hard for me to understand you, um, you know, and all of that other dysfunctional mindset. So uh, thank you for reminding me to, to bring that up again because it's, it's critical, you know. It's, uh -huh. it's an ongoing basis. Just be, you know, there's a, <laughs> there's a saying, there's a, I remember an ad. Um, it says, uh, you don't have to floss your teeth. Just floss the ones you want to keep. <laughs> <laughs> and this is exactly it. You don't have to worry about, you know, uh, communicating ways as possible, misunderstand all the time. Just in the relationships and conversations you want to keep. Other than that, don't worry about it, you know. <laughs> exactly the same. So... <laughs> <laughs> I want to remember that one. That's going to be uh, one of my uh, personal jargons that people will never be able to misunderstand. You know? <laughs> All right. Next. Um, once you get clear on jar, jar, or not jargon, you know, on context, the next thing is to inspect the other person's knowledge base. Do they know what you're talking about? Do they actually have any information around that? So you want to be able to, like, Check that out. So um, inspecting their knowledge base. If you ask someone where they are on a scale of 1 to 10 on anything, they'll think for a minute, and then they'll say something usually like between they're between a 2 and a 10, but they're just guessing because they have nothing to measure their judgment of their status against. This is a problem because if you don't know where you are, how you got there, or what it's going to take to get where you go, where you want to go, how are we ever going to get there? When a person goes to college, they choose a major. 
In order to graduate with that major, they need to successfully complete a number of specific courses, and they already know what those courses are because the school gives them that information. When dealing with people in life, you're going to find that many times the person you're speaking with isn't as knowledgeable as you are uh, on topics that you're talking about. In those cases, you need to ask them questions to determine where they are on the knowledge level spectrum, rookie, intermediate, or advanced. Just use that as a general example, not like the, you know, create your own, but somewhere like that. So when you do this, you can do one of a couple of things. Meet them where they are, bring them up to where that you are, or teach them. So I'm going to talk about those three things. Meeting people where they are. This means find out their expertise level and stay there. No need to start educating them unless the topic is about producing results at work or some other important intentions. Most of the time, this is going to be a place where you're committed to getting on the same page with them. This is where you should be anyhow, committed to being on the same page with them. If in these situations you take on the mindset that it doesn't matter who's leading the conversation as long as, as it's productive and informative, it'll be easier to meet them where they are because the emotional tone of the conversation will be open and accepting. Give yourself permission to take these situations as learning opportunities. When you take on the mindset that you might learn something in these conversations, you'll actually be able to have fun with it because when you finally meet them where they are, you'll both be happy and you'll have enhanced your relationship with them by virtue of increasing the level of relatedness between you along with the safety and trust factors that came out of the conversations and the relatedness. That's pretty clear, yeah? yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Bring them up to where you are. You start out by making sure they get your context, then fill them in on the education knowledge base part of what you're communicating. We just went over the context part, and you're more likely, uh, you're most likely clear about the things you know and don't know. So there's not a whole lot more to say here other than the fact that you want to be gentle and loving when bringing them up to where you are. Otherwise, They'll be left feeling like you're judging them, making them wrong, and not trusting you in future conversations. They may even think you're egotistical. You don't want to leave people feeling that way. Teach them. Uh, this takes generosity and patience. You have to get their permission to do this, either directly or indirectly. You can't assume they're going to be okay with you doing that. So you already know have to have the skills on teaching them, but you got to get their permission. So people often don't want you to know where they are in the area of information, knowledge, and competency. They're worried. You might judge them, don't want to feel stupid, and don't want to get things wrong. Because of this, along with a lack of knowledge around how to measure their level of competency, they either talk big like they know what they're talking about or they stay small, minimizing their expertise and knowledge base and treating themselves like weaklings. Use this situation to help them get present to who they really are and what they're capable of. For example, help them see how much more they know about something than they think they do. 
Help them see how much they know compared to others. Help them see how far they've come from a week, month, or year ago. Give them the type and level of information they need to be where they need to be or want to go, or bring them up to where you are so you can have a great conversation with them. So um, bringing people up to speed and context. I'm going to share with you all a story that happened to me many years ago. So I had three careers. First career was as a messenger dispatcher. I did that for nine years, and then I was in sales, and now I'm in personal development. So when I was a dispatcher, um, on my 30th birthday, ick, my 30th birthday, I had to work a double shift, and it was the beginning of three months of double shifts, 16 hours a day, five days a week for three months. I hated that, other than the paycheck. So um, they fired this guy that got hired me. They fired him because he had a drug problem. And then uh, they uh, brought in another guy, and I don't remember his real name. I only remember him as Elmer Fudd. He looked exactly like Elmer Fudd, short, bald, big head, weird trench coat. And he even wore the, the, the Elmer Fudd hat. Oh, my God, I couldn't believe it. We couldn't believe it. Elmer Fudd. So my boss told me that they was hiring him because he was going to be my manager. Ick. Okay. All right, fine. So the reason why I was there for three months is because he couldn't get it. And here's how I found out. The second day he was on the job, first day, hi, how you doing? Let me show you this. Let me show you that. Second day, we were standing around, and there were some packages on the table. And um, you look at these packages, and then he says, and he used to be a, a taxi dispatcher. He wasn't a messenger dispatcher. So he looking at the packages on the table, and then he asked me this question. He said, uh, so uh, when do you send these packages out? And I was like, I, you did not ask me that damn question. How do you – so asking somebody that's a dispatcher, that's supposed to be a dispatcher, when, you, when do you send those packages out is the same thing as when do you pay your bills? When are you supposed to pay your bills? <laughs> or when are you supposed to eat? It's like you, I can't believe you asked that question, man. You didn't, you, you didn't really ask the question, right? So I told him, you, you, you send these packages out as soon as somebody shows up to be able to deliver the damn package. <laughs> So at the table, they should be out, right? And you got to keep your eye on the clock and know when they're supposed to be delivered and all that stuff, right? I cannot believe this guy is supposed to be my boss and he couldn't tell me, right? So I told my boss, Daniel, uh, about uh, Elmer Freud. I said, listen, I just had a conversation with this guy. And let me tell you something, man. In six months, he might be a good assistant, but right now, man, he don't know jack thing. They thought my context was I was trying to protect my job. And he ain't want to learn nothing. He thought he knew everything. So about two and a half months out, I'm still working double shifts because I'm still training this stupid guy. Oh, my God. And then um, <laughs> it was uh, about 7 o'clock in the evening. And uh, I was there from 6, PM, 6 a.m. to like 9 p.m. Right? That's when I was 9, 10 o'clock at night at least. So um, about 7 p.m., I went to the bathroom. But before I went to the bathroom, I said, listen, man, I'll be back in five minutes. This package, this guy is going to be here. And I wrote it down. This guy's going to call, give him this. This guy's going to call, give him that. This guy's going to call, make him stay there, call you back in 10 minutes. Because I've got something coming, but I ain't got it for him yet. 
I wrote it down. I went to the bathroom. I came back, and he messed everything up. He messed up two of the three orders. I told the manager, and then he finally believed me. Oh, this guy really don't know what he's talking about. So I was trying to bring him up to speed. They didn't want to listen. So I had to stop because, you know, talking to yourself, right? They didn't understand my context. They thought I was trying to protect myself when I was really trying to tell them, yo, this guy's a dope. And the miscommunication that was going on was bananas until they fired him and hired somebody else and then I got my life back. So that whole experience just reminded me of everything I'm talking about. And I wish I knew that stuff back then, but it might not have made a difference anyhow. But um, I just want to say that anybody that's not 30 years old yet or, you know, have a big birthday time period, whatever that is for you, 30, 40, 50, whatever, I hope you never have to start at uh, three months of double shifts at a job um, on your birthday. Um, Does that communicate? (laughs) Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, okay, great. So you can't get through to someone who's not at your level in the topics you're communicating with. And if they don't know that's what's happening, your communication won't serve you or the persons you're communicating with, which is what I just described. Everyone needs to be on the same page unless the conversation is about something, excuse me, about someone teaching someone. The last thing on this distinction is it's not possible to communicate in ways that are impossible to misunderstand if you're communicating with someone who doesn't know as much as you do on a topic that you're talking about. You have to bring them up to speed without making them feel less than or minimized. Even if you bring them completely up to speed, but they feel minimized, in the end, they'll remember how you made them feel every time they remember what you taught them. Let me say that again. Even if you bring them completely up to speed, but they feel minimized by it, in the end, they'll remember how you made them feel every time they remember what you taught them. That doesn't work. Bring them up to speed in an empowering way, and they won't resist you in the future. They'll actually look forward to the next time they learn something from you. So that's what I got to say about bringing up to speed. Anybody got any questions or responses before I go to the next distinction? Okay. The next one is called uh, dogma. (laughs) Ick. (laughs) Dealing with people in the area of dogma. That sucks. (laughs) You see that in politics all the time. All right, let me just go back to this. right. So dogma. The definition of dogma is a settled or established opinion, belief, or principle. I would take out principle. <laughs> An established opinion or belief. Odds are, if it's dogma, it probably has nothing to do with the truth, with reality. But that's a whole other story. In other words, dogma is a locked-in mindset that's pretty much unmovable for the person possessing an idea or concept they believe in highly. From time to time, you will come across people who are mentally locked in, whether they know it or not, want to be that way or not, or care about it or not. They believe what they believe the same way the people in Salem, North Carolina, believed in witches in the 1500s. No basis in reality, but because they believe it, it's the truth. People don't like being wrong, 
and won't allow themselves to be wrong, even if they have to fool themselves into thinking they're right because it can completely, uh, it can be completely crushing to find out that a belief or understanding of something they've had for 30 or 40 years has been wrong the entire time they believed it. In addition, they don't want to be criticized by the people around them, can't see when things are becoming obsolete, and don't want to think of themselves as stupid or slow. <sighs> the worst part of this is that they don't know this is how they think and how they are. They think they're right and everyone else is wrong. So one of the things that keeps me personally from being uh, thinking dogmatically, or at least, you know, I do my best, is an empowering context, which is I'm okay with being wrong because I might learn something. This might be the last time I ever do that dumb shit is what I say to myself when I learn something. I was talking to uh, one of my friends today, and he was telling me about uh, one of the people that he knows that's great at selling. Uh, the guy's his business is he has his business as an entertainment. No, he's a clown that goes to parties. And he did amazing research. And what he realized in his research is that um, he went to look for how do people get clowns. And what happens is nobody does research on clowns until they're ready to have a clown for their party. So he only uses one form of marketing, which is uh, Google pay-per-click advertising. So if somebody's looking for a clown, that's because they're looking to put a clown in the party and they're going to hire a clown right away. So he doesn't have podcasts. He doesn't have, you know, uh, how do you call it, um, um, articles written. You know, he doesn't go and entertain himself and put himself out there. He's just like when somebody's really looking for somebody, made it really to make a decision, that's how it works in the clown business. That's what he does, and he's killing it. And I'm happy for him. But what I realized is that in that conversation, I was like, oh, I can learn something from that. So, like, encouraging yourself to learn and encouraging other people to learn, to, like, find a joy in learning would allow you to help people get past dogma in addition to the things I'm about to say. So I just wanted to share that example. Um, and if anybody is an entrepreneur, yeah, you might want to take that into consideration to see what exactly does my people do in order to get to a decision. So um, that, that that was a mind-blowing experience there. All right, back to this. Um, yeah, so I'll repeat this last sentence. The worst part that of, about this is that people who are dogmatic don't know this is how they think and how they are. They think they're right and everyone else is wrong. However, they don't have a problem making new decisions based on new information. In other words, you can't change their mind, but they give themselves permission to change their own. That last sentence is your opportunity to change their mind. The people, excuse me, these people are not open to learning because they're quote unquote right, but they're willing to be writer. <laughs> yes, that's right. I said writer, R-I-G-H-T-E-R, -E or more right by discovering new information so that they're right. They can recognize new information to make them even smarter and therefore writer or more right. So they're willing to do that with new information. But it's not like you made them wrong. They just got more right. So how you do this is by offering them new information in the form of insights and or alternative views and examples of whatever you're talking about. So one thing you can do is offer them not just one way of looking at things, offer them multiple ways of doing things. 
I know I mentioned this in the past session, past sessions. Gee, that's an interesting way of looking at things. Would you like to hear another? And then you give them like five things instead of just one. And usually if you hit them with five really good things, two of them, they're going to be like, wow, I never thought of that. That's pretty good. And then they get a chance to change their own mind, but you didn't change their mind. And even if, even if they were like, yeah, you, you said those things, but I still changed my own mind. You, I'm smarter than you or whatever. You know what I mean? Like they, they can stay dogmatic all they want. You just, you know, get them out of their own way so they can actually have a real conversation with you. So one of the best ways to offer them multiple ways of thinking is by understanding how to see things in multiple ways. And you have a distinction in this program that will allow you to do that called the 10 types of vision. So let me just run through those real quick. You got horizontal vision. This is like project management vision. So, you know, you can give them like the lay of the land. Um, then there's peripheral vision, which is you can, you know, give them a perspective that's like, oh, I can see uh, what's going on in the, in the, in the corners, you know, of, my, of, of the building here. You know, like what's going on in the background kind of like, you know. X-ray vision, where, you know, you can see, you can give them a point of view where you can see through things. You know, you can, like, get to the bottom of things. Uh, intuitive vision, you know, you can talk about what it's like when you feel a certain way that turns, usually turns into be accurate. Um, ground level vision, that's reality vision. You can, you can give them a conversation about that. Um, connection vision, how one thing affects another and how they connect it. Uh, microscopic, you know, looking at the ingredients of something, you know, it's like um, kind of like uh, almost CSI investigation vision. Uh, you could have them look at uh, financial vision, which would be uh, return on investment viewing. Uh, I know there's at least one person on here that, that we've clarified is, uh, uses uh, financial vision. Ha ha, wink, wink. Uh, authenticity vision, what it would be like to be that way. Or vertical vision, taking a higher road, coming from context. So, you know, by recognizing where they are, which are their types of vision that they look at life from, you could actually offer them different views of life, but you'd actually have to remember this, apply this, recognize this for yourself, and be able to use this in communication and conversation with others. So, um, by the way, I want to put this in. I was thinking about do I want to say this or not, but I'm going to say this. So, um, I don't know how committed either the people on this call are, which I'm pretty sure is highly committed, or people that are listening to this that's not on this call right now. But I'm inviting you to um, take on this program and all of the distinctions in this program that you know you ain't heard nowhere else as if you paid $10,000 for this. Because if you had paid 10000 or 5000 or $2,000 for this program. Y'all would be calling me up, practically putting your hands down my throat to pull out the information for you. Call me during the week for asking for a coaching around, oh, you know, this thing, da 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 da, da. I would be like, hey, you know, how you, you know, what do you guys think about this? And four of y'all be fighting to put some words in. You know what I mean? So this is free, but I want you to know that I'm practicing this because I'm going to be bringing this to companies going to be paying me between twenty-five and $100,000 to deliver this program. And I'm encouraging you to take on the distinctions of this program as if you paid that much yourself. You don't have to say nothing about it, but I think you would get so much more out of it, as complicated as it is, as deep as it is, if you took it on like you put in, you know, your life savings into this program. 
So that's what I got, and uh, I'm going to keep it moving. So, you know, remember – hello? No, I was saying thank you. That was very well put. Yes, and mm-hmm. I wanted to thank you as well. This is Robin. Okay. Okay. Yeah, really take this on because um, this is a beta test, and y'all are teaching me. I'm so grateful. Y'all are teaching me how to make this program better. And uh, I don't want this to be something that you remember doing a year from now. You know, I want this to be something that you are um, unconsciously competent about, meaning the way you drive cars is the way you communicate using these distinctions. You don't even remember how you got there, but you do it so excellently, and you know you can do it for 20 years. And if you could find ways, whether you got to talk with each other about this or whatever, where you practice these distinctions until you actually have it be a part of your life, um, that would be the greatest gift you can give me personally as well as yourself. So, um, yeah, I didn't know if I was going to say that or not, but it did cross my mind, and now I said it. There you go. And thank you for the thank you. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So use these 10 types of vision to offer new unique ways to point out other ways of looking at things and thinking. You're going to have to create some reality-based examples that are easy to understand and recognize. Maybe you're going to need to create some stories or examples in your own life like I just did a couple of times here on this call. If you do this correctly, the chances of those dogmatic people changing their mind are improved by probably about 50%. Not enough to bet on, (laughs) but enough that you may get uh, them to respect you more because you proved you're smarter than they thought you were before you started doing that. In addition, you both might see or invent something that neither of you ever thought of before, moving you into opportunities that you'll both benefit from. By the way, Oh, I did say that, so I'll just say it again anyhow. By the way, I highly recommend you all memorize the 10 types of visions so you can see where people are coming from. If you don't memorize this, at least pay attention to the multitude of mindsets out in the world so you don't get stuck trying to understand people. If this doesn't work, like bringing them new ways of looking at things, don't take it personal. Let them be where they are and keep it moving. In other words, either change the subject or stay in the conversation until they get tired of it. People don't like being forced to change their mind, but they don't mind changing their own. This is why they won't listen to you unless they're your favorite, you're their favorite celebrity or something like that. They're not going to be controlled by you, and they're never going to admit they could be wrong. They're not open to learning because they think they know everything already. So instead of arguing with them, treat them the way life treats them. (laughs) Give them some different ways of looking at things and let them deal with it on their own. You ever notice that life does not explain why it does things to you? (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't, nope, you've got to figure it out on your own or not, but it's going to do what it's doing, right? So this may or may not, um, they, excuse me, they may or may not respect you, but this has nothing to do with how conversations go with them. What matters is how well you can have them keep up with you and the facts of life, because if they can't keep up with the facts of life, they're always going to have a hard time with them 
uh, excuse me, you're always going to have a hard time with them in conversations, and you're not going to be happy about it. You're going to be uh, open-minded enough for the both of you or the group of you that you're in. You're going to have to set the tone, the environment, and the direction of conversations by being respectful, creative, and open-minded regarding how the conversation is going. The real key is open-mindedness because they shut down mentally. They may take others in the conversation there where they're at with them, creating a culture of closed-mindedness in the conversation, and you can't allow yourself to get triggered by it. You have to be the source of openness by being open-minded and creative, excuse me, uh, creative in recognizing and bringing up insights, alternative views, and examples designed to open them up to receiving new information and maybe a new view of life. Permanently dissolving dogma is not something you should be thinking about. That's something that's only likely to change by surviving a near-death experience or some other life-altering epiphany. It's not something you can expect to permanently resolve through skillful communication because though it shows up in communication, it's not a communication issue. It's a mindset issue. However, you still need to know how to get through to people in this place um, in conversation because the conversation you're in are important because you don't know who's going to be impacted by the people you communicate with later, including other dogmatic thinkers. Do your best to leave them better than you found them and keep it moving in the other areas of your life. Don't sweat it, but do your best to take care of them. Um, anything else before I uh, go to the next thing? Okay. Last distinction of the program, of, the, of this session, I should say, is called... Uh, you're thinking you're talking about the same topic when you're not. <laughs> uh, um, anybody ever had that problem? You're talking to somebody, you think you're talking about the same thing, and then you find out suddenly you're not talking about the same thing? Um, that's something I call a PITA, P-I-T-A. That's an acronym for pain in the ass. <laughs> PITA. I learned that in team two, y'all, for those of y'all that have been on team. <laughs> you can be speaking with someone about bookkeeping, you think you're talking about bookkeeping too, uh, but after a while you find out they're talking to you about how much they know and understand bookkeeping when you're having a conversation about how to improve bookkeeping in your company. Different conversation. How many times has something like that happened to you? This type of educating is about getting people to join you in the conversation you're in rather than the conversation they're having or thinking you're having. How do you do that? By listening to the result they want from the conversation you're having with them. So it would be great if you can agree with others about what conversations are going to be about before you start talking, but that's not what happens. So the master communicator graduates of communication for professionals have to do the work for the both of us. <laughs> So let me give you, let me, let me repeat something that I've said um, before, I think, in the listening section. So when people are speaking, they're always saying five things at the same time. And usually we're listening to either one or two of those things, but never all five. So here's the five things people are saying at all times. They are either, um, they are, not, not either, they are 
saying the words that they're saying. They're using exact vocabulary, whatever that is. They may not consider it exact, but you can remember or record the exact words they use. Then there's also what they're responding to, because nobody talks just to say something. They might talk, and it seems like they're talking just because they're talking, but they may be talking because they feel lonely. They may be talking because they feel like um, they got something funny to say to you or whatever, but it's in response to something, whether it's in response to something you did, said, or not. So there's what are they speaking in response to. Third, what's their context? What do they mean by that exactly? Fourth, what results do they want out of this conversation? And it could be just to be connected, but it could be to make a million dollars. Who knows, right? And then five, how do they feel about what they're saying and how the conversation goes? So those are the five things, the exact words, uh, what they're responding to, uh, their meaning, context for it, uh, what the res- what's the result they want, and how they feel about it. At all times, anytime the words come out of our mouth or anybody else's mouth, they're saying those five things. But usually when we're listening, we're either listening to the exact words they're saying, why they're saying it, um, or uh, possibly what result they want. So, but we don't speak, listen for all five. We just don't even consider it. Like it's not in our conscious awareness. So um, I want to put that in before I continue going any further. So uh, I'll start with the last paragraph again. It would be great if you can agree with others about what your conversations are going to be about before you start talking, but that's not what happens. So y'all master communicator graduates from this program have to do the work for them, both of y'all. So how you do this is the following. Ask questions to see what conversation they think they're in. (laughs) Agree with them on their points as long as they're accurate, those points are accurate, and inform them of the conversation you're having and invite them into it. (laughs) Oh, my God. So ask questions to see what conversation they think they're in. The purpose of the conversations you need to ask is to get them to see that they're missing your point without making them feel like they're messed up for missing your point. Rather than ask them questions about the information or level or their level of expertise, ask questions about outcomes. For example, ask some of the following questions. What are you trying to get out of this conversation? What do you want me to get out of this conversation? How long have you been thinking about this topic? Why do you want to talk about this topic now? What have you done about this topic? Each of these questions will cause the person you're communicating with to shift their mindset from content to context, meaning they'll start thinking about the why of the topic rather than just the what. In addition, you'll learn something about them, the topic, and even how they listen. Occasionally, you'll discover that you're the one who's in the wrong In which case, you should join them in theirs. Don't make yourself wrong. Just join the new conversation. Next, agree with them on their points as long as they're accurate. Those points are accurate. So you can do this so they'll feel safe to shift themselves into your conversation. You want to do this because of that. Often people feel bad when they realize they were asleep at the wheel. They'll feel guilty, stupid, and wrong, and a host of other things. Empower them. Don't let them go there. 
And if you can't prevent them from going there because they had their, their reaction before, either one, well, excuse me, um, empower them. Don't let them go there. And if they can't prevent, and if you can't prevent them from going there because they had their emotional reactions before either of you realized they went there, take them away from their, take away their negative reactions. Let them know this type of thing happens every day. Y'all remember that song, Lottie Dottie? Uh, by uh, Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick. <laughs> but this type of thing happens every day. Except they said this type of shit happens every day, right? Um, by the way, that song came out in 1985. I heard it today. I was laughing at it. Um, and they're cool with that, right? <laughs> so by meeting them where they are, it helps you know what's going on in the conversation and also helps you see which part of the uh, lay of the land uh, they need to be taken through. So you're going to have the conversation that was intended in the first place. This is a practice that helps you provide quality customer service and awareness of where they are mentally and emotionally. Reduces the time you'd otherwise end up spending in a conversation that isn't working for you. And communicates respect, care, and commitment to both the topic at hand and to them and their benefit. So. Agree with them and meet them somewhere so you have to go somewhere else. And then uh, third, inform them of the conversation you're having and invite them into it because they sleep at the wheel, most likely. <laughs> Sometimes the person you're speaking with may still not be listening with you after taking on the previous stated actions. In that case, just get to the point and tell them exactly what you're talking about. By doing so, you stop yourself from suffering, wake them up, and start the conversation anew. By doing so, you give them a chance to decide whether they want to be in that conversation or not. If they don't, leave them alone. If they do, bring them up to speed um, and give them access to the conversation as well. This way, everyone's up to speed and the conversation can do what it was intended to do, whatever that is. This particular tactic also supports another important aspect of effective communication, brevity. By getting straight to the point, you create the space for brevity because they get the opportunity to choose to continue to communicate with you or not, and there's no penalty if they decide not to. When in those situations, you can't be worried about, are you getting heard? That's a mindset that will distract you from being able to figure out whether you're in the same conversation with others or not. Consider worrying about getting heard like a shiny object. Shiny objects are very attractive, but they have nothing to do with communicating effectively. Being heard and being on the same page are two different outcomes. Which one is usually more important, impactful, or effective? Being on the same page rather than worrying about being heard. And being on the same page will guarantee that you're being heard. Keep your eyes on the highest intentions of communication, doing it in ways that's impossible to misunderstand. And that, folks, is the session for today. I'm pretty surprised that we finished six minutes before the session was over. So I'm over here to take comments and questions now. I can't believe I went through that quick. Man. Yeah, that was quick. That was good. Yeah. Um. All right. Now, now, you know, y'all got 
time to say something. Ask something, something. It got me here. Come on. I have a question, Tony. Jamie. Yes. You mentioned um, getting somebody on the same page. I have a teammate who um, we have really different communication styles, and we're relatively new to working with each other. And so we're kind of learning about each other's communication styles and, and work habits and all that. What happens in that last example you were just bringing up when somebody's not, you know, give somebody the choice if they're not up to speed? And it's, and you kind of said, you know, let them leave the conversation if they're not willing to get up to speed with you. But, yeah. but yeah. what if what if the the task at hand relies on that getting on the same page? <laughs> you can't just kind of um, let let this person off the hook, or let I can't let myself off the hook for not not communicating and not getting on the same page. Yeah, well, then it could be that you might want to use the, the uh, distinctions of um, resolving dogma because they're locked in. Right. You know, it could be that you want to think about how would you interact with somebody whose highest aspiration in life is to be content. They don't want to be doing nothing more than they have to. Because it sounds kind of like what, you, what you're saying in terms of, like, the type of person you're dealing with. Is that kind of accurate yeah, at least? I- yeah, it's really great because that that distinction has made a huge difference recently in my relationship with my boss. And yeah. now that I think about it, this is this is a teammate who has the sounds like has the same aspiration. Right. Um, so I think maybe just asking some questions. If if I'm using methods of communication and I'm not getting the results, just keep asking. You know, putting out my intention and asking what would be the easiest way for him to participate. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is next session mm-hmm. is uh is persuasion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm 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 ready for that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let me just uh, without going into explaining how, let me just give you the key distinction. Okay. Of persuasion. You ready? Yes. <laughs> it is to communicate in ways that is easy to say yes to and at the same time hard to say no to. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that next week. <laughs> okay, good. So luckily the project that I have that Stu isn't due until the 4th of June. Yes. So so next week's session will be well-timed. <laughs> Excellent. I know at least one person guaranteed going to be on the call next week. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I love that. I love that. Okay. All right. Who else got something? Come on. (laughs) By the way, I want to go ahead. Go ahead. Come on. No, I just, this is Robin. Um, so I guess I'm going to have to really be on that um, call next week. But um, so, yeah, you know, my son, um, uh, you know, I'm dealing with a teenage son, and we're not communicating. 
effectively at all, and we do not hear each other. And it's like we're both talking and talking and trying to hear each other and not hearing each other and not understanding each other. And I guess I, you know, I'm at a point where I really um, need to be able to communicate effectively with him and um, get my point across without emotion um, and to be in a, in a place where I'm able to persuade him because right now it's kind of a really dire situation. And um, I really need him to hear me and I need him to understand. And I know he understands, but he pretends that he doesn't get me. Um, so I just, yeah, how do I communicate effectively with a teenage boy and um, who actually is, you know, um, 18? So How old is he, 18? Just turned 18, yes. And yeah. so, you know, he thinks he's a man, so he's exerting that whole thing. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I need to be in a place where I can persuade him um, in a way where I'm not being an authoritarian or telling him, you have to do this. This is, you know, I, so I'm, I'm having that issue. Totally got it. So um, what I'm hearing is um, that I would invite you to go back and listen to um, modules three and four, listening and distinctions. So you want to be able to tell how his brain is moving. That's why the distinctions section is so powerful, is that you want to know, is he being in monkey mind or not? You want to know, you know, if he's somebody who's about contentment or making a difference or a life of adventure, because he's going to be making decisions that's going to move him closer to those results, whatever result that is. You want to listen to which way does he look at life? Is he looking at life to minimize risk? Is he looking at life to, uh, because he could see through people and, you know, he could tell who's BSing or not, or, you know, that's, does he have a. He's that, that person. Got it. Um, so. Yeah, very intuitive and very like, you know, he can read people. He's, he's been like that since a child. And, you know, you know, he's never been the type of kid um, um, played, played by authority and has yes. always thought very independently and, um, you know, the type of kid that, you know, you know, the, the way I was raised, like, you know, you respected results, you respected adults, period, you know, and yes. he, com he comes from the mindset you know, I don't care who you are. You respect me. I respect you. So he's yeah. that type. So he's that type of kid. So he's he's so yeah. So I'm I'm dealing with a lot. <laughs> yeah. So you definitely want to go through those emails of those two sessions, sessions three and four. Number one. Number two. Uh, I also recommend. I mean, this is relationship uh, distinction I'm giving you now, but you want to start making agreements with him because it sounds like he will honor agreements if you make them and then you honor your part of the agreement, okay. you know, because kids are one of the things that frustrates kids, children, you know, between the ages of, let's say 
three and the time they leave the house is that um, they want to make agreements, even though they don't really understand the nature of agreements, but they do. They don't, but they do, right? And so they will honor agreements because they're connected to their inner compass, their inner integrity. And so they want to honor that. They can't not they actually do. But when they walk at adults, they'd be like, yo, y'all are such hypocrites. I, should, I can't even listen to you, you know? Um, no matter how no matter how great a parent has been, kids have seen a million hypocritical things to their parent, no matter how much they love them and how much they're great about them. You know, like I can say that about my mother. I love my mother to death. Oh my God, I love I love like I'll never stop loving her. You know, I'll always love my mama like that song. But I mean, she had a couple of places that was hypocritical, like ouch to this day. Well, kind of. I didn't got past almost all of it, but still, you, you follow what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Got it. So yeah. you got to become, you got to be partners with him rather than his boss. Because okay. he's relating to you like, he's relating to you like you're his, like you're trying to be his boss. And he's like, man, get out of here. I'm me now. And especially right. between the ages of 13 and 18, he's been trying to find himself. And right. I sounds like you have been trying to help him find himself. You've been trying to protect him. He's like, right. thank you. Thank you for trying to protect me, but uh, I'm doing something different. So. Mm -hmm. It's time for you to create partnership with him. And let Got me explain it. to you. Let me let me give you a, a specific example. So I think I was 12 or 13. And um, for some reason, my mother was whipping my butt like regular. I was getting annoyed. Like, Mom, what are you, what? What are you doing? <laughs> I, like, I, I think I was 13, 12 or 13. And so one day she whipped my butt again. But. It didn't hurt me like before. I just stood there and let her whip me. Like, right. yeah, all right, go ahead. like, yeah, all right, go ahead. And she looked at me like, motherfucker. She don't curse. My mother didn't curse. She looked at me like, motherfucker. She pushed me to the ground. She started kicking and stomping me and screaming at me. And then she left. Yeah. And then I was I was scared then. I was really scared. I was like, she will kill me. Right. <laughs> right. Two days later, she sat me down. She said, listen. Uh, apparently whipping ain't um, helping anymore. That don't work. So I'm going to find another way to get through to you, but I got to be able to get through to you because I'm your mom and I, want, I love you. I want to take care of you. Right. That was awesome. And so mm -hmm. I'm saying, you know, you might want to take that uh, angle. And then also, since you was able to recognize your son's way of thinking and seeing the world, you might want to look and see what yours is. Mm -hmm. Okay, because it'll help you be you and be able to communicate you to him. Got it. All right, so I gave you a challenging homework assignment, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, but if you want the solutions, it's right there. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you know, I'm you know, I was going to uh, end the recording, but you know what? I'm gonna let this. I'm gonna. I'm gonna if y'all are okay with it, I'm gonna let this recording keep going because I expected uh, I'm gonna be doing some more coaching. I was. Uh, this will be the first time I keep the coaching distinctions on the call rather than after the call. So if y'all are okay with that, cool. If not, tell me and then I'll end the recording. But I'm gonna stay here for you and answer whatever questions you have about anything. So. Um, I think y'all might want to hear this one. This is getting good. 
I'm fine. fine with that. Okay, good. All right, so uh, who's got questions, comments? Wait, I'm sorry. Did I miss my assignment? Yeah, your assignment is to read sessions uh, three or four, listen to session three or four, figure oh, right, out okay. you, right? Figure out you, figure out your son, and then make some, start making some agreements okay. by letting him know who you are, what you're about, like you, what you're really committed to, and then help him by partnering with him and him moving forward in his life. Got it. Okay. Okay. I'll probably right. be for some coaching surrounding that. <laughs> that's, that's fine. That's fine. You know how to reach me. Okay. I'm going to have to end the call now, but thank you so much. I greatly appreciate you. And everybody My- have a good week. Yay. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. All right. Bye. All right. Who else got some stuff going on? You know, I'm a, I'm a, actually what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna end the recording and uh, I'll do that right now. Fine. But we will stay on as long as you want. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Branch sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get even softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order with code RESTFUL15. So head to B-O-L-L-N-Branch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details.